ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this episode, what I'm going to talk about is a subject that I have been longing to talk about for a very long time. I've talked about it privately. Uh, I've touched on it here and there on different podcasts, but today we will talk about NIL. That stands for name, image, and likeness. Now, I want to put this out there for those of you who may not be familiar. NIL deals with sports, particularly college sports. So this is going to be a sports-centered conversation, but I want to break it down so those who don't necessarily follow follow college sports can still understand what it is that I'm talking about. Um, as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, uh, I was a former college athlete. I played football in college way back in the day, <laughs> in the 90s. Um, I played college football at South Carolina State University. Um, it is a historically black college and university, HBCU. Uh, shout out to the alma mater. Um, but I wanted to kind of give you my background before I went into what it, you know, what we came here to talk about. Um, so the being a a athlete when I was in college from 1991 to 1995, uh, as, as still it goes today, college athletics is run by the NCAA, right? And if you know me or you've heard me speak on them before, I have a huge disdain for the NCAA. Always have, always will. Um, now things were a lot different back in 1995 than they are today in 2022 at the time of this recording um for example the ncaa used the misnomer words student athlete which i think is a bunch of bs because honestly they're not student athletes if you come to college and you're playing a sport and that sport is, you know, your means by playing. You're an athletic student. You're not a student athlete because I don't care what sport you're in. They deem you to be an athlete more so than you are a student. Yeah, they want you to be eligible. And yeah, most schools want you to graduate. But the reality is you're an athletic student. So you'll never hear me call a, a kid a student athlete, because I don't care what college campus you're on, including mine, they want to make sure that you perform for that scholarship. But again, things were a lot different back in my day. Like back in my day, you couldn't work. What I mean by that is uh, I could not play at South Carolina State University and still work at Bank of America as a teller uh, because the NCAA at the time said, hey, you can't work and be on scholarship. Now, if I wanted to you know, relinquish my scholarship and then work, um, so be it. Also, as it relates to today, I could not make money off of being 12 Kyle. <laughs> so in 1995, if there was a 12 Kyle podcast, 
And if the 12 Kyle podcast generated any amount of money, even if it generated $10, I couldn't do it because I would then be earning money off of my name, my image, and my likeness or NIL. Um, so yeah, 1995, I couldn't, I couldn't make money off a podcast. Uh, of course it weren't podcasts back then, but if there were, I could not make any money off of it. Also, if you went into the, um, bookstore on South Carolina state university's campus, and there was the number 12 Jersey hanging up with my last name on it. Yes, I did wear number 12 (laughs) for those of you who don't know. But if there was a jersey hanging up in, in the bookstore with my last name on it and that jersey sold for $100, guess how much 12 Kyle would get of those proceeds? Zero. That's right, because I could not earn any money, but you're going into my bookstore to purchase a jersey with my name and my last name on the back of the jersey. So you know it's me. It's 12. It's 12 Kyle. It's South Carolina State, it's my last name, my government last name. But I'm not going to get any money for it. So, yeah, I had a lot of issues with the NCAA. And I've always had issues with the NCAA. And I still have issues with the NCAA. But that's just how things were back then. Also, a huge misconception. One of the misconceptions about college athletics is that you would sign a scholarship for four years and it's going to basically pay your tuition for free for the next four years. Uh, Yeah, no. No. Your scholarship is only based on your performance. So if I signed a four-year scholarship at South Carolina State University, Or if I signed a four-year scholarship at the University of Southern California or at Notre Dame or at the University of Texas or the University of Alabama, it's solely based on my performance. What that means is, is that let's say, I don't know, my freshman year, I'm not as good as I was in high school. And let's say by my sophomore year, I'm just not even playing at all. I'm barely on the field, you know the team and the school has the right to relinquish or, re- or 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 retrieve that scholarship from me. And guess what? If they take my scholarship, I can know I can either stay at school and pay to go to school or I have the option of going back home to my hometown of Florence, South Carolina. And if I go back home, what am I going to do? Work at the bookstore? <laughs> Work at the record store? No, it's not going to happen. So it's solely based on your performance. So it could be terminated at any point. And that still resonates to this day. So when someone says, oh, well, these student athletes, (laughs) when they say these student athletes, their scholarship pays for this. Yeah and no. Because here's the thing. They do have a scholarship. But it's solely based on their performance. So if at any given time they're not performing up to the level that school or the coach thinks that they should be, well, now you got a problem. Now they are probably going to lose that scholarship. And if they lose that scholarship, odds are likely they will not 
be in school anymore. Period, point blank. So I just wanted to give you guys a background just to think because like it's not as cut and dry as you think it may be. Some people think, oh, well, yeah, you know, I would love to, you know, go to school for free and to eat three hots and a cot, <laughs> you know, and have and be living in the lap of luxury. And and don't get me wrong, athletes in most college sports have it pretty good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they don't. However, they do have rights. And for the longest time, they weren't able to exercise those rights. And for the most part, the NCAA got over up until last year. <laughs> so how do we get here with NIL? Well, long story short, the U.S. Supreme Court basically said, look, college athletics is making hundreds of millions of dollars from these players. And these players aren't getting any money. The least they should do is be able to earn some money. And, you know, of course, there was pushback from the NCAA. No, we can't play. We can't pay players. We can't pay players. Now, let, let me be let me be clear. Even when colleges couldn't play, play, I'm getting tongue tied. Sorry. Even when colleges couldn't pay players, they still got paid. Now, nobody paid me at South Carolina State. <laughs> anyway, I just snitch on myself. But anyway, but on the real, nobody paid me to go to South Carolina State. I chose it on my own. But, you know, at better athletes at bigger schools who had the funding for it, of course they got paid. Now, they may never admit that they got paid, but everybody gets paid. That's like the biggest joke in the world. So, how did we get here? Congress told the NCAA that student athletes should be allowed to be compensated on the name, image, and likeness, aka NIL, or they would face litigation. And the NCAA and subsequently the schools had to cave in. So the NCAA was in a bind because the association represents university presidents and schools and those administrators they would like to keep them broke. Yeah, that's a classic line. Keep them broke. <laughs> Shout out to the Mac. Um, but yeah, they they would like to keep the keep the kids broke, but the the kids should be able to make money. And we look at sports like football, particularly, and basketball, high revenue generators for for these schools. Um. Football has boosters and basketball has boosters. All school have boosters and the boosters are using name and image and likeness now as payments, as carrots to recruit players. And everybody's lost their mind. But the NCAA spent the past few decades, especially the last two decades, dodging lawsuits and dodging this and dodging that. But now it's all come to a head. You can't dodge it anymore. The, the Congress has basically said, look, this is what it is. They are, they have earned the right to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But when you have a collective of boosters or alumni who say, well, hey, 12 Kyle is the best wide receiver in the country. He's coming out of high school. 
and he's interested in coming to the University of Alabama. Well, you know what? We've got a million dollars over here. Let's see if we can entice him by giving him an NIL deal worth a million dollars, and then he'll come to our school and he'll play for us and he'll help us win a national championship. Sounds like a fair deal to me, but ultimately people have a problem with that concept. And the people who have the biggest problem, the NCAA and college coaches, because here's the thing, they can't regulate that. They can't regulate it. They can't monitor it. But ultimately, everybody's afraid to being sued in a court of law, which would which is what would happen if and when the players unionized. But the NCAA didn't want the kids to unionize. They made an attempt to, but they did not get a chance to pull it off. But that led to where we are now, to the point where these powerful interests outside of college football and college basketball have made it clear that they want to pay players under the guise of NIL deals so they can get paid. And as a former athlete, as a kid who didn't make any money, and I'm not bitter by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I got a job. I'm, I do okay for myself. But the reality is, what can you do? You can't stop this. I am all for this. It's funny, me and my boys, we were having a conversation uh, in our group chat, which is, you know, where all my conversations usually go these days. I, I stopped bringing these type of conversations to Twitter. But one of my boys, my boy Steve, shout out to Steve. He said this, and I quote in our group chat. College sports is sports entertainment. It's a business and a big business said that. Colleges have been running a sharecropping system for a long time to get cheap labor. They say, quote, we will let you live and work here for free, but we get all the profits, close quote. And he went on to say, there's no loyalty to anything other than self-interest. No one, coaches nor players, should be judging the other for what they feel is in their best interest. Now it's up to everyone to be aware of what's happening. Ignorance can no longer be an excuse. Close quote. I couldn't agree more with Steve. I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, college athletics, you know, they've made billions with a B, billions of dollars off free labor. And I know what you're thinking, Kyle. You're, you're thinking, 12 Kyle, well, well, how is it free if you know you're going to Duke for free? But I gotta pay eighty thousand dollars a year to go to Duke. Well, you don't understand what it is these kids do once they get to school. And you don't understand what it is that how much money is being generated. Now, granted, nobody's coming to your biology class to see you dissect a frog. But they'll come see me in a 100,000-seat stadium perform on Saturdays. And they will make millions of dollars. And again, I use the example of the jersey. They will hang my jersey in the bookstore. They will put it online. And I won't be able to get a dime from it. What sense does that make? That's hustling backwards. So regardless of whether or not people like NIL deals, 
they're here to stay. And so what was interesting was, you know, kind of the fallout from it. You know, what what were people saying? How was how were people feeling? You know, again, me, someone coming from an HBCU, a historically black college and university, different type of opportunity. Not to say that HBCUs don't offer NIL deals because they do, but not the same as someplace like Notre Dame or Florida State. At HBCUs, we've got a unique proposition that other PWIs, uh, predominantly white institutions, can't offer because we have the HBCU culture and then we have our tradition. The reality is black students who are most of these college athletes that we're talking about, particularly in the sports of uh, football and, and baseball, excuse me, football and basketball, college athletes will never, black students will never feel safer at a PWI than they would feel at an HBCU. Now, PWIs offer other brand-related value that, you know, we can't compete with. But it's just the level of growth and level of being amongst yourselves. With the addition of NIL deals, HBCUs can be, you know, a preferred destination for a lot of kids who may not be on the top tier, but maybe that second tier. And maybe, just maybe, some top tier kids who may want to go play for an HBCU. Which brings me to probably the most popular coach at an HBCU right now. And that is one Mr. Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is the head football coach at Jackson State University. Um, You know, Deion, Hall of Fame football player in the NFL, played Major League Baseball, one of the greatest athletes ever, period, in any sport. Now, Dion had an interesting take on these NIL deals uh, last year, and I'll read a quote to you. He said, quote, first of all, if a kid's been offered a million dollars, that means the people have it. That's not the kid's fault whatsoever. But what he should be looking at is, where is this going to take me? Is there other players there? Is there a system there? Is there an environment there? Am I going to be happy? You can be rich and be very unhappy. I've been that before. That young man has to understand the complexity of the whole package. It can't get into a, it can't get into a bidding war for young kids who really ain't done nothing yet. Close quote. He's got a point. He's got a point, but I'm all for uh, people getting their money. And in this case, the kids, I'm all for the kids getting their money. And the reason being is because, again, there's money to be made. And if I am earning the money, I feel like I should have a cut. (laughs) Call me crazy, but that's usually how it goes. If I'm making money, then I should be able to get some more money, some of the money, not all. I don't need all of it, but I should be able to get some. And and, and to Dion's point, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you give, if you would have given a 18 year old 12 Kyle one million dollars. Am I as hungry as an athlete? 
am I as competitive as I was at 18? Am I as driven as I should be? I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that because I remember how I was at 18. I mean, hell, I'd be happy just to have $100. <laughs> I'd be happy just to have $100, but it was a different day and time. And, you know, a lot of these kids, they're really about their brands and they're about brand awareness and they're about themselves. And I get it. Trust me, I get it. But at the same time, I think one of the biggest issues is, is that these coaches, they understand that they have no control over this, none whatsoever. And if you know anything about coaches, particularly college football coaches, college basketball coaches, college baseball coaches, hell, all coaches, a lot of them are control freaks. Maybe not to the degree that you might think, but they are really ones who want to be and need to be in control of what's going on. And so here we are. You have a system where it's going to allow players to make money. The coaches can't control it. And the coaches are fearful about boosters or quote unquote collectives who will raise money and use the money to entice kids to come to their schools. That's fair, right? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It just depends on who you ask. Which leads me to my next point. And it led me to some beef. And I don't mean Tupac versus Biggie. I mean two of the biggest coaches, well, actually three, three of the biggest coaches in college football. That would be one, uh, Nick Saban, who is the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, who is the coach of the Texas A&M Aggies. And the aforementioned Deion Sanders, who, again, is the head football coach of the Jackson State University Tigers. So if you're not familiar, I will bring you up to speed. Uh, Nick Saban. And I think Nick Saban's won, what, seven championships, I think? Forgive me. I'm not looking it up. (laughs) You can look it up and correct me. Um. Nick Saban was speaking to, and I'm going to play a clip. And the clip, I'll, I'll give you fair warning. The clip is, it's a, it's an extended clip. It's kind of long, but I feel like you need to hear it in its entirety so you can understand where Nick may have been trying to come from. I don't necessarily know if he was actually coming where he, I don't know if he was going where he was trying to go, but Nick said some things. And in the midst of him saying some things and kind of speaking down to NIL deals, uh, he spoke on Deion Sanders as well as Jimbo Fisher and neither Jimbo nor Deion took too kind to uh, Saban's comments. But again, I'm going to play a clip of Nick Saban and I want you guys to take a listen again. It's kind of long, but you'll understand the point of where he was trying to go. And I also want to make mention, Nick does mention that uh, Alabama uh, students, athletic students, (laughs) Uh, got NIL deals for like, I think you said $3 million or something like that. That's a damn lie. If they, if all, the, if all that they could do at a powerhouse like Alabama was get $3 million, then somebody's hustling backwards. But um, nonetheless, I'm going to play the clip for you. And here's what Nick Saban had to say. And then he realized, or within 24 hours, 
it was known that he had stepped in it because you don't ever call out somebody else, not by name, or at least allude to them and be talking about their money. So here's what Saban had to say. Well, you know, name, image, and likeness to me is a great concept for players. Um, players have always been allowed to work. Uh, this is just a different opportunity for them to make money by working and using their own name, image, and likeness, whether it's signing autographs, whether it's doing commercials or ads for some company or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. And I have no problem with that. And nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys that got the money earned it. Now, there were only 25 guys on our team that had the opportunity to earn money. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves. I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Uh, and the coach actually pr knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, my philosophy is my job is to create a platform for our players to create value for themselves and their future by becoming better people, uh, by graduating from school and developing a career off the field, and by seeing if they can develop a career on the field and play at the next level in the NFL. Our players have made $1.7 billion in the NFL since 2010. All right, so wow. we've created a lot of opportunity. We also have one of the highest graduation rates, you know, in college athletics. We have the most guys that graduate inside of four years. So we've done a good job of that. But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama that – they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. And I tell the recruits the same thing because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. And I don't know how you manage your locker room, and I don't know if this is a sustainable model uh, because one of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut I thinking I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. And then he's not going to play, and he's going to transfer, and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. And you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in, and we're going to continue to do that, and hopefully there's enough people out there that are want to do it, but I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players, and you've read about them, you know who they are, 
I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are all right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division One player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Now, once Saban said that, you had to know that there was going to be a response or a retort. But I don't think for a second that he thought that Jimbo Fisher would come back at him like this. Last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. That they broke state laws. That they're, that they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing. That we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you, the people who insult you publicly, the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Jimbo was hot. <laughs> I'm talking Texas Pete hot. 38 hot. He was fired up and rightfully so. But I think if we're being honest, Jimbo's lying. <laughs> now, they may not have done anything illegal because NIL deals are, they are what they are. But schools are clearly using nil deals to entice players and at this point i'm not mad it's 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 all about big bank take little bank at this point those who have the money can compete on that level i mean would i like 
South Carolina State to be able to compete with Alabama, of course. But South Carolina State can offer kids something that the University of Alabama can't offer. Again, it's the HBCU and the HBCU culture and the ability to be amongst your own and win and graduate in a whole night. I mean, it's plenty of things that we can offer. But he did mention Jackson State. When I say he, I mean Nick Saban in his soliloquy. So when he mentioned that, Dion, who has done commercials with Nick Saban, who appears to be somewhat friendly with Nick Saban, uh, took to Twitter and said, you know, I will have a response about this lie that's being told on me. Uh, he later appeared on a podcast and he said, quote, that the two coaches were, quote unquote, pawns, meaning that, you know, um, Saban used him and uh, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he said, quote, he was really going at his people to up the ante so he could outdo Coach Fisher. Uh, he said, but he was, quote unquote, stung by Saban's words. Uh, he went on to say, quote, so being an HBCU football winning coach does not qualify me. I've coached in the NFL, the Under Armour All-American High School game for, I think, 14 years. Some of the best players in the nation. So that don't qualify me. I've coached high school football for a plethora of years and won four state national, I mean, excuse me, four straight state championships. And that don't qualify me. I'm disqualified from a guy that looks like me, talks like me, walks like me, and kind of want to be like me. That's problematic for me. Close quote. And who he was talking about was the player that Nick Saban referenced in his speech. A uh, kid by the name of Travis Hunter. Now, if you're not familiar with high school football, Travis Hunter was the number one recruit coming out of high school this year. Number one football recruit. All of these kids, excuse me, all of these schools wanted this kid. Everybody from Notre Dame to Florida State. And yes, Travis Hunter was actually interested in Jackson State, where Dion is the head coach. And when it came time for Travis Hunter to make his decision, it came down between Florida State, ironically, the school that Deion Sanders attended, and his current employer, Jackson State. And Travis Hunter chose to attend Jackson State. Now, picture this. Again, the number one player in the country is not saying, I want to go to Alabama. He's not saying, I want to go to Auburn. He's not saying, I want to go to Tennessee. I don't want to go to Southern Cal. I want to go to Stanford. I want to go. I don't want to go to Duke. I want to go to Jackson State University, a historically black college located in Jackson, Mississippi. And when I tell you folks were mad, they were big mad. <laughs> and so that's what Saban is referencing. This happened a little bit earlier in earlier in this calendar year when Travis Hunter set the world on fire by announcing that he's going to Jackson State. And Saban in this speech that he made ran with the idea that Travis Hunter got a million dollars from Jackson State to go there. Now, granted, if Jackson State had a million dollars to give Travis Hunter, <laughs> they would have not done anything wrong by offering him a NIL deal for a million dollars. 
Now, of course, Travis Hunter denied it. Dion denied it. And and listen, folks, Travis Hunter's not getting a million dollars. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. Now, I will say this much. I'm pretty sure that Travis Hunter has a nice NIL deal. I'm sure that he does. The school does not. I don't think they've reported it or how much he's making on his NIL deals, but I'm sure he's he's getting a nice coin. But let me let you in on a little fact. Deion Sanders doesn't make a million dollars at Jackson State. So, you know, <laughs> you know, he's not going to have a kid on his team making more than him. That's not going to fly. But Nick Saban ran with that lie. And, of course, you heard Jimbo's response and Dion, you know, kind of took the high road, but he did call Nick Saban a liar. And to his defense, Nick Saban did reach out to Dion Sanders. Uh, as my understanding, they did not talk. Uh, he reached out to Jimbo, and as you heard in the clip, Jimbo ain't trying to talk to him. They, they're done. And what's ironic is that Jimbo Fisher used to work for Nick Saban. Nick Saban is, is a god in college football. He is arguably the greatest college football coach to ever live. And for him to get in front of a microphone and to publicly call out Texas A&M and Deion Sanders and Jackson State, uh, he sounded foolish, very foolish. And it's something that he regrets. He still thinks and maintains that he does not think that the, the way that NIL deals are set up is sustainable for college football. And he may be correct. But right now, it is what it is. And you've got to pay to play. And so what Nick Saban was trying to do was to get in a roundabout way. If you listen to him, he was trying because he was speaking to some Alabama alumni and, and boosters. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to do the same thing that he accused them of. He wants them to up the ante as far as the money is concerned, because he knows that he he's going to have to do this to compete. Now, how long will this go on? Who knows? I'm sure at some point. Maybe not in the so in the in, in the near future, but at some point, Congress will step in and say, "Hey, well, we have to have because right now there's no regulations. So, if someone wanted to recruit my son Brandon, <laughs> and they were offering Brandon two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I mean, like you know, of course they'd have to holler at me. <laughs> but I'm saying, I mean, like we 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 could have a conversation." For the record, nobody's nobody. Brandon's he's only in the 10th grade. Um, but the reality is, is that I'm going to keep it real with y'all. The NCAA didn't prepare for what has happened. And honestly, the NCAA is still in denial about the consequences of NIL deals. But this is where we are. And don't get me wrong. I'm not totally blaming Nick Saban because there are other powerful football coaches like Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, Kirby Smart, who just won the national championship after beating Alabama in the championship game. They have openly com complained about NIL deals and the changes in the changes that have happened to college football. And, and I don't want to just solely focus on college football. We've seen some college basketball coaches go through some of some similar things. We've seen some powerful basketball coaches like Coach K at Duke step down. And though he's never complained or said anything bad about NIL deals, I'm pretty sure that Coach K, given his age, he's probably not into flying around the country, recruiting kids, 
and having to do with ni deal with nil deals. Maybe he saw that on the surface and like, nah, I'm out of here. So I would not be surprised if we see college football coaches do the same thing. You know, these coaches think that nil deals erodes their ability to control everything and everyone around them. Man, I don't necessarily think that. But what it does is it gives the players and the students, the athletic students, an opportunity to earn money. If you're like me and you've ever been to college, you probably, most of you who are listening, probably didn't have a lot of money in college. Because I always say college is the most fun time and the most broke time you'll ever have in your life. And I loved every minute of it. I would not take back the five and a half years I spent spent in college and yes it took me five and a half years to graduate because I was having that much fun but at the same time I would have liked to have been able to earn money because think about it like this even if I did not strike a huge uh, hundred thousand or a million dollar deal with an NIL company or something or let's say, you know, John Brown's Lexus dealership, if I, if I could not endorse their product or what have you, I could have this podcast and I could broadcast this podcast from my dorm room or my apartment and I could earn money through sponsorships and, you know, whatever rights that I want to sell. But see, here's the thing, particularly for college football and college basketball, A lot of the players, not all, but a lot of the players come from humble backgrounds. So when you have a coach threatening a kid and not threatening physical harm, but threatening them as far as that they're going to revoke their scholarship or something like that. Well, the kid knows that I can't have my scholarship taken because I can't go back. I can't go back home because I came from a bad spot. Being in college is where I want to be. But now if the kid has a little bit of money, you know, you can't necessarily dangle the carrot of the NFL because here's the reality. Everybody that plays college football and everybody that plays college basketball, they're not going to play in the NFL and the NBA respectively. It's not going to happen. It's not. So I think NILs are great deals i think they're great equalizer i think there's some positives and there's some negatives i mean the negative side of this whole thing is that the ncaa you know i think the ncaa is still getting over because they still get the big piece of chicken (laughs) and what do you mean by that 12 kyle what i mean by that is the ncaa still gets the tv deals and the tv deals that are being negotiated, the players, I mean, they're getting crumbs compared to what these networks and these schools are making. So you can miss me with all of that. Oh, we don't have the money. That's bullshit. Everybody got the money. Everybody got the money. And the NCAA has the money and these schools have the money and these networks have the money. If the kids said, well, look, we're not going to play unless we can get part of this uh, uh, TNT uh, deal or this NBC deal, or this SEC-CBS deal, oh, then we'd have problems on our hands because you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Now, also, one of the downsides to NIL deals is that you have to be very particular about who negotiates these deals. You know, you don't want some shade tree lawyer. (laughs) You don't want some shade tree lawyer negotiating your deal. And then also the money aspect of it. Can the kids handle the money? I mentioned earlier about, you know, what 12, what a, what an 18-year-old 12 Kyle would be with a million dollars. I don't know. I know what I would be at 49 with <laughs> with a million dollars. Because I'm 49 now, right? I know what I would be at 49 with a million dollars. But I don't know, man. You give me that at 18. <sighs> I'm not going to say I blow it because I don't, I don't think I would, but I think, you know, frivolous stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, so, so that's always an issue. Can the kids handle the money? And to be honest, I don't have a great answer for that, but some of the positives is that with NIL deals, they're finally getting paid and the NCAA who's been getting over for years are no longer getting over. Because again, I mentioned earlier, for years, kids couldn't even work. And I mean, if you get a kid a $100,000 NIL deal, can he live off that? No. Can he or she live off that? No. But it's a good start on life. Even if I take my $100,000 or $200,000 NIL deal and I put it to the side and I put it in the bank or I put it in a trust fund or what have you. That money can be a good start to a business. That money can be a good start for some investments. It could be, I don't know, it it, it could be any number of things for a kid. Again, it's not going to save you as far as like, you know, money that you can retire off of. I mean, even if you even if you got a million dollar deal, some people can't retire off that, as strange as it sounds. But it's a good start on life. And ultimately, if you've been in college, you know that if you can get a good start coming out of college, that makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah, I I think I think this is the NIL deals are here to stay. I think they're on the right path. Uh, Does it need to be regulated? I don't necessarily know that it is. I'm, I'm figuring that it will be at some point. But in my opinion, I think this is a great deal for now. I just wish I could jump in a time machine and speed it up <laughs> and I come to 2022 at South Carolina State University and I would be making money. And who's against making money? Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for me. Thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, we're on YouTube. Hit, hit us up on uh, all the platforms. Uh, you don't want to miss it because from time to time this year, we will be dropping bonus episodes on Sundays and you don't want to miss those. Again, that's going to do it for me. I'll catch you guys next time. Five thousand.